Broadcasting live from WOYK's downtown York Studios, this is York's Local Sports Show. Talking local sports on York's local sports station. Welcome to Game Day with Game Time PA on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Hello everybody, another edition of Game Day with Game Time PA coming at you. Chris Jarrell, Matt Alibone, Zach Miller here with you for the next hour to break down Everything that's going on in the YAIAA, from football to volleyball to soccer and everything in between. As always, just a reminder, if you can't catch us on the radio, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Just search Game Day with Game Time PA Radio, and please remember to rate, review the show. We want to hear all the feedback. We want to know what we're doing great. We want to know what we can improve on. So definitely we want to hear from all of our Wonderful listeners, but guys, great to have you with us again for another episode. Matt, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I had nice, nice break last week yeah. from from radio, so it's good to be back. Got a lot of thoughts I need to share. <laughs> yeah. I had two weeks worth of thoughts, so good to be back. I'm looking for all the hot takes good. from you, Matt. Zach, good to see you again. Yeah, you know we're halfway through the fall season, which is crazy. We're we're halfway oh, there already. I, it, it really is shocking that we're already hitting um, league and county tournaments already for some of the, for some of these sports. Golf is already uh, past the district stage, so. It is certainly uh, the fall season is flying by. Five weeks done in football as well, so plenty of get to plenty to get to on today's show. But first, uh, we'll get to our players of the week. As always, we'll start with the boys this week. Joe Perini from Central York Golf just mentioned that golf was in the district tournament or already completed the district tournament. Central coming off a district tournament win. Joe Perini carded a one over par seventy three Wednesday at Briarwood Golf Course to help the Panthers to the YAIA team championship and a district three team berth and they would go on to win the district three championship uh it was the second straight YAIA team team title for the central york panthers in golf so congratulations to joe perini and congratulations to central york golf for the uh the number of championships they've already won so far during the season on the girls side brooke morris we talked about her last week on the program uh susquehannock susquehannock field hockey player scored five girls Five goals during the Thursday 7-3 win against Southwestern. The Warriors lead YAIA Division II. Um, I believe they have an 8-2 record now and an 8-9-4 uh, overall record. Uh, the Warriors do, and they have already captured a share of the Division II title. So they are definitely on, on a great run this season after a rough start to the year. And Brooke Morris leading the charge there. So congratulations to her. And on the football side of things, Dylan Guerreri, Redline, had 20 carries for a game high, 163 yards in the Lions' 35-14 win Friday against Northeastern. He scored on a 66-yard run in the third quarter and added a 16-yard pass reception in the first quarter as Redline remains undefeated. And we'll certainly be talking a lot about them today. We did another uh, edition of Game Time PA Football Power Rankings. Red Lion, obviously, on the top of that list as uh, an undefeated team in Division 1, so we'll get to that. But before we get to any of that, Game Balls for you guys. I'll start with Matt. Welcome back, Matt. You get the first shot at Game Balls this week. Uh, obviously, you know, for football this past Friday, a lot of, a lot of muddy games, so yeah. low-scoring yeah. games. So the game I was at, Littlestown, beating DeLone 6 nothing. I'll give one to Anthony Weaver, uh, one of Littlestown's defensive backs. Two interceptions, including one on the final drive to seal up the win. Really just a great performance by Littlestown's defense. And then I'll give one to Wesley Gale of Gettysburg. Took the opening kickoff back 95 yards in Susky. Also had 63 rushing yards, but just a, a big performance for him. Their special teams have been really good. Yep. They just beat Susky 41-3. But the past two weeks, their special teams have had big games. Big game against Dover, too. They had like three 
three recovered onside kicks. He had a couple big kick returns that game. So if he can keep doing that moving forward, it'll be very key for them. So I'll, I'll throw him a game ball as well. Very deserving of one. Uh, Zach, who do you got? Uh, I guess Dylan Guerrero is getting two awards today because <laughs> he's also getting a game ball from me for the same reasons that Christian said. I mean, 163 yards in a what started out as a really close game. He had that 66-yard run that you mentioned to break that yep. game open in the second half. Also had, I mean, Redline rarely throws the ball, but he had a big 16-yard touchdown catch too. I mean, he really made everything work. And I'll give one also to Patrick Doherty, another running back for Red Lion. Uh, he's played a lot of defense this season, has not touched the ball on offense very much. They decided to go with him today. He's kind of a, a bigger kid. They thought they could push Northeastern's defensive line a little bit, and they absolutely did. Doherty scored a touchdown as well. And then I'll give one game ball, a uh, non-football one, to Maddie McLean from Eastern yeah. York. Yeah. She's continued to set records. She's basically set a course record in every race she's ran in this season at, at least the dual me race is just about she set one at her own home course yesterday at sam lewis state park with a 1935 so she's having a great season uh probably has her eyes on a district title uh, definitely a york adams title so here's a game ball for her and i you know i think we'll be talking about her more later in the season absolutely if i'm not mistaken we're getting down to that point of the year where uh we're getting closer to uh, counties and districts as far as cross country goes we got about two weeks left before the york adams meet and then another week to 10 days after that will be districts which is the very last weekend of october states the first week of november so cross country has a little more time to go uh, they don't finish quite as early as golf and right. tennis do certainly something we'll be keeping an eye on speaking of golf we mentioned central york coming off uh two championships week championships this week in the team uh, county tournament and the team district tournament so i got to give a game ball to them obviously just a stellar performance by them uh with a number of talented golfers including uh joe perini who we mentioned uh earlier in the in the in the uh, players of the week also want to give a play uh game ball to courtney harnish uh west york swimmer committed to university of georgia this week uh, weekend i should say on sunday she announced via her instagram page and she'll be joining a, a really top-notch program down in Athens, Georgia, at the University of Georgia, where uh, head coach was an assistant Olympic uh, swimming coach this year. They had a number of Olympians go to the Rio Games, including our own Haley Flickinger from Spring Grove. Uh, obviously, York County has, act has produced a number of very talented swimmers in the last couple of years, including Flickinger. Now, now Courtney Harnish is on her way to... Uh, to what could be a very successful career as she continues uh, through her collegiate. Yeah, and she's a York YMCA swimmer. Yep. Obviously, that's a really good program. But I think you told me yesterday she's going to be swimming for West York again. Is that right? Yes, yes. So West York will get one more one more opportunity to to see her swim for her school, and it's something she's been very excited uh, to do. And because right. she hasn't done it yeah, since since 2014 when right. she set uh, when she's been set and still holds a PIAA record um, in two two events there so she still holds a state record after not have not swam for the, at the high school level for the last two years but she's looking forward to coming back to high school and swimming for west york in her senior year um and she said uh, you know she's she's represented her country a couple times and she's also said there's nothing no greater feeling than representing your high school and, and west york is somewhere she's gone her entire life so that's got to be a special feeling before you you ship off to athens to continue your career yeah absolutely it'll be fun to watch her uh, see if she can win some more state medals and set some more state records yeah, and, and it's certainly an interesting point, too, when you look at some of the better sports in this area. And obviously, we'll get to football and, and what's going on in the fall. But what I want to talk about it a little bit to start the show was just how your county has produced so many good athletes in, in these niche sports, volleyball, um, 
swimming you've had uh you know some other sports that are that are smaller don't necessarily get the the recognition or don't have the the profile of a basketball or a football so it's interesting that your county has produced these very talented athletes in these very niche sports yeah there's another one too gymnastics which we don't even have high school gymnastics but we have a few gymnasts out there one who graduated last year who goes to the university of maryland a couple that are still in high school that i think are committed uh, Jackie Turpec, I think yes. is how you say her yep. last name, at so. Central is committed to Utah State. Hannah Baddock at Gettysburg is committed to New Hampshire. So, um, you know, not quite the same level as Maryland, but both Division One schools. Although I think um, a couple of those schools, I, I think Utah State is supposed to be a pretty pretty prestigious gymnastics program, if I'm not mistaken. I wouldn't know, I don't to know. be I, honest. I know New Hampshire, where Baddock's going, I think, is, is a pretty good gymnastics school, at least for like you know the, the conference out there. Right, right. But 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 like I was saying, yeah. A Division lot, one's a big deal either yeah, way. You go to a Division one school, it's a pretty it's a pretty prestigious honor because not a lot of high school athletes can get to that level. So it's just to even, whether it's a, it's a big program, a small program, uh, it's just a big honor. And like I was saying, it's very interesting that we have these niche sports that do very well. Reese Devilbiss at volleyball, who's arguably one of the best players, who was one of the best players in the state when he played for Northeastern, uh, going to Ohio State, which is a very, very good volleyball program um, on the men's side of the NCAA uh, uh, side of things. So we have here in your county, and obviously Haley Flickinger going to uh, the Olympics in swimming, we have this very niche, talented group. And that's to say we haven't produced some, some very good athletes at, at more notable sorts. John Kuhn obviously had a huge weekend the other week for the Saints uh, in the NFL, and John Kuhn, a, a Dover product. And uh, obviously we've had a number of other football products come out of your county but really in the last couple of years it's those smaller sports that have produced uh some very talented athletes that have gone on to do some pretty big things uh with their careers and a lot of those athletes you know like Haley flicking who, who uh you know swam for the york ymca that's mm-hmm. the thing it's such right. a good program that i'm mean, not, not that she wasn't like, obviously a great athlete but like having that great coach i think michael brooks was the coach correct i believe his so. name so like having a coach like that and that type of program to kind of mentor her i'm sure help you see some of these niche sports where like the kids spend so much time working with like you know specialized coaches mm-hmm. that i guess puts them on a good path but it is an interesting thing about how we've produced you know athletes in those kind of sports absolutely and york ymca is a, is a place that attracts swimmers from you know even across the border in maryland there's a couple swimmers that have come yeah. from from maryland so york ymca swimming is, is a place where a lot of people have gone and, and started their careers and gone to bigger and better things so just wanted to point out it's a very interesting ch- trend we have going on in york county in the last couple of years but when we come back, we'll take a break here. When we come back, we're going to look at the YAIAA football power rankings that GameTimePA.com put out. If you haven't seen them already, go to GameTimePA.com and check them out now. I think one and two, you can say, are, are pretty safe. But three, four, and five, definitely something we're going to be talking about. When we come back, you're listening to Game Day with GameTimePA here on Sports Radio 1350 Five weeks in the books here in YAIAA football. Welcome back to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Chris Charles, Zach Miller, Matt Alabone with you, and another edition of the Power Rankings came out on Game Time PA this week. I think, like I said at the end of last segment, one and two, hard to argue. Three, four, and five, certainly uh, interesting, interesting picks, and... Uh, you had a, uh, a team with one loss ahead of a team that was undefeated and certainly raises it could raise a couple questions why was your catholic ahead of at littlestown at this point in the season and and zach obviously you cover a lot of the football i'm gonna i'm gonna give it to you to kind of defend this because 
I think it's very easy to to say Littlestown should be ahead of your Catholic. Yeah, I mean, what it comes down to for the most part is is common opponents. And right now, there's just one common opponent between your Catholic and Littlestown, who, by the way, they play this week. And so we're going to know, yeah. you know who should be <laughs> yeah. ranked ahead of who after after Friday. But in the meantime, all we can really compare is the games against DeLone Catholic. And Littlestown, you know, squeaked by DeLone Catholic 6 nothing in a game where nobody scored till the very end. Granted, you know, bad weather Money and everything. Field, yeah. But your Catholic went down to DeLone Catholic on the road, won 42-7. So, you know, the Fighting Irish, in that regard, look like the better team. Also, your Catholic's played a little bit of a tougher schedule in Middlestown and has, has won most of those games pretty much with ease, obviously, except for losing to Burke's Catholic, although, you know, that's hardly a loss right. to, um, to hold against the team too much. Uh, you know, I don't know if there's anybody in this league in any division who would really beat Burke's Catholic. You know, maybe Red Lion, maybe Dallastown. That's about it. But, you know, that that's the reason for your Catholic there. Obviously, last week when we did this, we put a lot of emphasis on those big wins. Right, right. And so that's that's why your Catholic gets a slight edge here. But, you know, like I said before, they're playing each other on Friday, and it's going to be settled on the field and not in this room. <laughs> having having covered both Littlestown and your Catholic this year, I, I totally agreed with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to look at just the records, yeah. But like Zach just said, the one loss for your Catholic was against Burke's Catholic. Right. Team. At Littlestown... I don't think would have had a ton of success. And that's nothing against Littlestown. It's just a really good Burks Catholic team. And Littlestown is definitely way better this year than last year. I think they're a good team. Uh, like Zach said, the DeLone game was kind of hindered by some bad weather. And I don't think DeLone played their best when they played York Catholic. But York Catholic looks so good that game. Mm-hmm. And Littlestown, I will say, that I, they've been playing very well, but they've got to clean some stuff up, some penalties, some turnover issues that they've got to be at. The, they really have to be at the top of their game if they're right. going to beat a team like York Catholic. They're having a great year. I think they'll continue having a good year. But I think your Catholic is just a little more talented right now. Dallas Town, Red Lion, their Red Lion holds the number one slot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a couple big wins. I mean, they've certainly gone out and proven that they are the team to beat, I think, at this point in the season in the in the York Adams. Dallas Town as well. And they'll have an interesting matchup this week against Northeastern, which could potentially um, you know, give them another argument to say that maybe they should be number one at this point, depending on and depending too on how things shake out between right. Southwestern and Redline. Right. I mean, Redline just beat Northeastern thirty-five-seven. If Dallastown were to come out on the road against Northeastern and win by more than that, well, right. then you can probably make that case. Here's the thing about Dallastown right now, though. Yes, they're five and zero. They keep winning games, but the games have been close. I mean. We were all really surprised to see the game against William Penn yes. last week and see Dallas Town only win by three. You know, I mean, they were letting Penn Manor hang around till the very end. Same with Hempfield. Those were two good games. Granted, against you know Penn Manor and Hempfield, both 6A teams, but they're both 6A teams that only have one win. So Dallas Town, not nearly as impressive as Red Lions been in the five wins that they have. I mean, Red Lions pretty much steamrolled everybody, beat William Penn mm-hmm. by six touchdowns, you know, beat Northeastern yeah. by four touchdowns. So, you know, Red Lion definitely looks like the team to beat. Dallas Town looks like a team that is just good enough to beat the teams they've played, you know. But again, the meat of Dallas Town's schedule comes up now. They've kind of played the easier part of their schedule in the first half. They're going to get Northeastern this week. They still have Central. They still have Red Lion. They still have Southwestern. So certainly a lot of time for Dallas Town to move up and potentially set up a really big showdown in the last week of the season with Red Lion. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. And the thing that, you know, to me, stood out the most about the power rankings was seeing Central York go from number yes, one to, yes. to off the which, which makes sense because they're now three and two. Southwestern's also three and two. Now that Southwestern beat them, you kind of have to put them in the number five spot. But Southwest is a team 
really we kind of forgot about the last mm-hmm. few weeks, and and maybe rightfully so. They they lost. I know they lost two good teams in Mayheim Township and Carlisle, but they had those two early losses. They beat New Oxford, not a great program, in Week Four. So you really didn't know if the Mustangs were truly in the race, and. For a race that already had, you know, Northeastern, Red Line, Dallas Town, Central York looking like maybe the best team. Now Southwestern beats them, throws so much more intrigue in that Division One race. It's interesting you say Central York, especially after the comeback mm-hmm. win against Northeastern. But it's interesting you say that because you watch the way they played uh, last weekend against Southwestern. It did not look like the, the, the Central York team that came back and defeated Northeastern. It, it, they had their moments in the fourth quarter, but they made a lot of mistakes. They didn't capitalize on a lot of good opportunities to score and and take the lead or tie the game. So I think you look at that, and they kind of showed their their I guess you could say their inexperience mm-hmm. at that point because there were a couple times where you know they had the ball in the red zone. They were down on the five at one point, and they got stopped by Southwestern. And, and I think it was a conversation that Zach and I had too the other day about was it. Southwestern being that good, or did Central just struggle that game where Southwestern looked a little? And I think it was such a combination of, of everything that happened where Central York may have had a little bit of that, that big game hangover from last yeah. week. They weren't necessarily as prepared as maybe they should have been for Southwestern. Southwestern was extra prepared knowing what Central was coming off, and they just stuck it to them. Their defense was huge in that game. Um, they limited their offense to really you know a small number, uh, a small number of yards. And they really kept them from scoring in those key pressure situations. Late in the game, you know, they get the ball back. They force a safety, and Central gets the ball back. They're not able to score. So you saw Southwestern's defense, and I think rightly so. They're in the fifth spot, mm-hmm. and, and at this point, rightly so, Central is now on the outside looking in at this point of the, the power rank. The other thing that stood out to me the most when reading your story was Coach Oswald's quote about, I think, like kind of saying maybe we yeah. had a hangover. Like We had that big win. We saw the clips of the team celebrating at the right, Northeastern. Right, right. Then, yeah, you might have a little bit of a letdown. You were at the game. I don't know if maybe Central's offense in that kind of muddy condition just there, wasn't it, as it, equipped to it, play. As, it, as, it wasn't muddy. I mean, they play, yeah. they play on a turf field. Okay. There was not really right. – there was no yeah. mud or, or anything. And I think it was just the factor, fact of, you know, it was a situation where Central may not have been necessarily as prepared as okay. they should have been. And their inexperience showed. And when you have a Southwestern team that kind of knew everyone maybe overlooked them the last couple of weeks right. and they're not getting as much attention as maybe they deserve – amped up with the fact that they probably were very, very prepared for this game, and um, they're a team that's very, very good already. And defensively, it was such a tough battle where they kind of just outlasted mm. a team that once you once you push them back a little bit, that inexperience starts to show us. thing is, Central, that win against Northeastern doesn't right. look nearly as good after the way Northeastern played against Dal- or, sorry, Red Lion. Right. So that, you know, that's part of it, too, that win that kind of propelled them into the number one spot. Now maybe we look at that win and say, you know, that's that's not as great of a win as we thought. Southwestern at three and two, the two losses both came to teams that would be in the six A playoffs. Right. Those playoffs started today in Carlisle and Manheim Township, as Matt said. You know, those if you want an indication of how good those teams are, the fact that they would be in the six A playoffs if the six A playoffs started today, th- those are two pretty good teams. So that's another thing. Late in the game against Central, you know, they've played against two really really tough teams. Maybe, you know, Central doesn't seem as tough when you go out and you schedule some people. Because, you know, we see some teams, um, I mean, this can apply to a lot of teams, but just throwing Northeastern out there. Northeastern didn't have to really play two halves the first three weeks of the season. And the last couple of weeks when they have had to play two halves against better teams, they haven't looked prepared to play in the second half. They've played fine in the first half, not well in the second half at all. So Southwestern probably got that good experience playing against good teams, right. you know, being out there the entire game, and now now they're able to use it. And for Southwestern, you know, it's a nice win, but are they going to are they going to 
follow it up. Central was not able to follow it up. Southwestern has Red Lion this week, Dallastown next week. So two big games to see, you know, maybe that Central win was a fluke or maybe Southwestern's a serious contender here. We're going to find out. And I, Southwest is also, yeah. I mean, not Southwest, Red Lion is also in the 6A playoffs right now, correct? Yeah, so, so it's like, So that's another, yeah, t- yeah. so like, you know, they face these 6A teams, maybe that's helped them get better, but they also didn't beat them and you lost 35 nothing one game, 21-9 the other. So how will they look against another, you know, good 6A team? And, and just to credit too, uh, Southwestern's run game was very good as well. I mean, they they were, had a number of guys on the ground take it and, and run the ball. And and while no one's number, no, no one's rushing numbers were astronomical. They all did the job well. They all moved the ball. They all killed some clock when they needed to. And they all uh, found ways to contribute to the offense. So uh, 210 yards is nothing to to kind of scoff yeah. at if you're Southwestern and you spread it among so many different runners. It makes it tough for for a defense to kind of hone in on one guy when you have so many other backs you even have a quarterback who can run the ball and, and pick up a couple yards so that's got to be frustrating as well for any defense that that goes up against them yeah I definitely I mean I talked to coach Palucci because I covered the first game mm-hmm. against uh, Gettysburg and you know Drew Hartlob got a lot of hype this year and he's a really good player getting D1 attention but he's not like a 25 carry a game back he'll get a couple carries catch the ball return kicks and then right. go to Thaddeus Davis who's their fullback uh D. Lunche Shaw, I might be saying that the first name wrong, but like he gets a lot of carries. Um, Nate Van Camp, their quarterback, runs the ball well, and they yep. like being able to spread the ball around, so you're right. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned Northeastern, and I think that's a team that is very interesting, especially at this point of the year when I, I think everybody um, really had them penciled in as the number one team mm-hmm. in Division One, and they have certainly raised a lot of red flags the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're coming off a, a Bad loss to Central York, you know, another bad loss to Red Lion. Now they go, go up against Dallas Town, and and for those teams, especially Central York, Dallas Town, Red Lion, those are teams that everybody went, yeah, they may be good, but you know, those are the guys to beat. Those are guys. This guy's going to be at the top of the spot um, when the season comes to an end. And I think for a lot of those teams, that was certainly a bit of a motivating factor of, hey, we're very good teams, and despite the fact that they have all their starters coming back, that we're just as good, if not better. Yeah, it's tough to have a target on your back. It always is. It's also tough to have a target on your back in big games without your starting running back who was leading the league in rushing. Anu Johnson came out in the first quarter against Central, didn't return, did not play at all against Red Lion, though he was out there in uniform. So, you know, that's kind of an indication maybe he'll be ready to play against Dallastown. You know he's he's not on crutches or anything. He's not in a cast. But, you know, they they need him back, clearly. That running game is not the same without him. Although, you know, Chris Wack, Frank Brown are very capable runners, but it's just not the same without arguably the best running back in the league. Uh, Again, they get a chance against Dallastown. They're at home. Maybe Anu comes back. You know, maybe this team finds a way to to be more consistent and play as well as they did in the first half of those games and carry that over into the second half. That's kind of the key for Northeastern. And you know they want revenge against Dallastown after the way last year went. And Dallastown coming back from a 12-0 deficit after three quarters to win the game 15-12. to You know, Northeastern has plenty of reason to stay motivated. If they can not get too down from these losses and maybe get healthy, this is still a good game. I'm, you know, it, I don't think any of us are writing off Northeastern by any means. No, no, I, and I, I didn't want to 
sound like I was doing that, but at the same time, you have to look at the way the last couple, and even if they don't have a new Johnson, uh, that was a team you thought could withstand one or two injuries during the course of the year where it wouldn't be, I don't want to use the word dire, but wouldn't have been maybe as serious as it is now when you're coming off two losses to Central when you looked like you had it in the bag. And then red line, and then you have to go up against Dallas Town, which which people which is the defending division champion, and people again people kind of just pushed them aside and said Northeastern is the team to beat. So I think that's where it kind of comes in the fact that it's it's interesting that they they are where they are. It's interesting to see that you know they've had one injury or two injuries, and that maybe it's hurt them more than I think a lot of us thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. A few weeks ago, we were talking about like oh they've got these three straight you know the central. Red line, Dallas Town. Right. If they can get through it, maybe they go. To, we were saying that maybe Northeastern goes ten and zero. Right. To lose the first two is just because I mean, you maybe looked at, at it realistically and said, okay, there's a lot of really good teams. D one, they might not get through that kind of that stretch unscathed. But to lose the first two, right? It's like okay, now that makes this game against Dallas Town kind of desperate, or at least a little bit. Like you know, you don't want to fall a three and three and lose your first three division games. And yeah, I think I'd, that, I'd yeah. say it's pretty desperate because at this point, you're probably not winning the division with two losses. That's probably right. off the table unless some. You know, chaos happens. In 5A, it's almost impossible, I think, to make the district playoffs with three losses. So it applies to Southwestern, too. Like, every game is basically you need to win or you're not going to the playoffs. You know, Southwestern still has a division to play for. But, you know, Northeastern can't afford another loss. I think they're 10th in 5A right now. The top eight make the playoffs. But there's 29 teams. So, you know, at some point, if you lose three games, you're going to get passed by too many different teams are going to drop too far. Right. So this this is some, sort of a must-win for Northeastern if they want to be playing postseason football. It certainly is. We'll take a break here. When we come back, there's a couple good matchups, a bunch of undefeated teams in their division going head-to-head this week. We'll talk about that. And we'll go back to William Penn's almost win, moral victory against Dallas Town last weekend. We'll talk about that and more. You're listening to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Welcome back to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Christian Arnold, Matt Alibone, Zach Miller here with you as we continue to roll on through the program. Just a reminder, if you're not already subscribing to the show on iTunes, what are you waiting for and go out and do it. Just search the search Game Day with Game Time PA Radio and you can subscribe to the show. And if you like us, make sure you give us a, a good review, give us a good rating, and tell us what we can do better. We always want to hear feedback and know what we can improve on as well so remember just search game day with game time pa on itunes on stitcher and google play and subscribe to us and then leave us comments and feedback as well we always love hearing from our listeners mentioned at the end of last segment a lot of good games coming up this week week six a number of undefeated teams in their division going head to head uh certainly Clears up some of those uh, power ranking questions as well, too, with some of these wins, especially that Red Lions Southwestern game uh, in Division One. They go head to head this weekend, and that certainly, I think, could be circled as one of the best games, uh, you know, on the schedule. Yeah, you know what's funny? I'm looking at these three games we're going to talk about. I don't think any of us would have thought we'd be talking <laughs> about these three yeah. games even just a few weeks ago. But uh, you mentioned Southwestern Red Lion. We obviously talked about these teams a lot in yeah. the last segment. Um, you know, Southwestern ranked number five at the moment, Red Lion ranked number one in our power rankings. The game is at Southwestern. It's tough. I mean, this game last year, Southwestern went into Red Lion and won by 17 points. So 
you know, Red Lions should be well prepared. They're coming off a big win, but, you know, they should be coming in, you know, ready to play this game, especially after what Southwestern just did. But, you know, I mean, Matt has seen Southwestern more. I haven't seen them at all. Right. But, you know, I would think this should be a good game. If that Southwestern defense can play as well as it did last week, for sure. Yeah, I think that's really the key is can they, like, Red Lions is a very good offense, 35 points against Northeastern. Can uh, Southwestern's defense just hold them a little bit to that? Right. I don't know if they want to necessarily get into a shootout. Because Southwest is definitely more, they run the wing tee. They can yep. throw the ball a little bit. Uh, Drew Hartlob is a running back, but he's more of a weapon out of the backfield catching the ball. But they really kind of work those running backs and are more of a ground and pound type team. So I don't know if, like, Red Lions put up 35, 38 points if that bodes that well for Southwestern. Maybe keep it in like the 20s but southwest is they're coming off two wins they just beat central so if they can avoid that hangover that we talked about right. in the previous session uh i think they'll be in good shape to at least make it a competitive game i'm going to be covering that one and i'm definitely looking forward to it and i think coach pelucci is one of those coaches who are not going to let that hang and i'm not saying that any coach would let it right. happen but i think he's one of those coaches that really hammers into his guys all right enjoy the win but you got to go back out to work on a Monday. He stays very even keeled yeah. no matter if they, they win or lose. So I think he'll have them in a, in a pretty good pretty good position. Yeah, Coach Pelucci played college football with James Franklin, and he says the exact same thing <laughs> Franklin says about we're 1-0 this week or we're, you know, we yeah. were 0-1 last yeah. week. He treats every week like its own, its own season. So, you know, obviously with the idea of keeping his guys grounded enough, but we'll see if it actually works or not. And so far it's worked out well for Southwestern. Speaking of two teams we never thought we'd be talking about at this point, Eastern York and Gettysburg, both undefeated in Division Two. Division Two, obviously, again, we've talked about it so much uh, on this program, just how up in the air this division was going to be. And so far, Eastern and Gettysburg are the teams that have really taken the reins uh, through the first two weeks of divisional play. They go head-to-head uh, in a meeting where I, I think for the most part, I think most of our office is taking Gettysburg to win this game. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the 41-3 to uh, smashing they put on Susky last week where uh, nobody saw it coming. Even I picked Gettysburg. I didn't think 41-3 was really you know, anything that was going to happen. Eastern... Though, I mean, both these teams are on two-game win streaks, you know, have won the last couple of weeks. Eastern, though, seems to do it more of a – they get into a close game and grind it out. Gettysburg, you know, if they really get that running game going, because Gettysburg doesn't throw the ball. If they get that running game going, though, then they're off to the races. So, you know, we'll see how Eastern's run defense can hold Gettysburg down, and we'll see if this does end up being a close game. You know, two teams that like to run the ball, you know, use some clock. If it does end up being a good game, can Gettysburg – you know, can Gettysburg deal with that? Yeah, it's probably the key for Eastern York is stopping the run and also having a, a good special teams performance. Like I said, Gettysburg has made a lot of plays on special teams. Two weeks ago against Dover, they recovered like three onside kicks, and I kind of said that for the game against Susky. You know, because you only had like 100 yards against Dover. It's hard to win if you're not getting a ton from your offense, and their offense certainly picked it up against Susquehannock, but their special teams were still making plays. And if you're playing solid on offensive defense right. and your special teams making yep. consistently can make some plays, I don't want to. I never like like a team that has to rely on that too heavily because sort of say like, okay, we're going to get a kick return <laughs> touchdown every single week, and that's but, a risky thing to yeah. bet on. But Wesley Gale has been pretty electric, so that's something Eastern York has to to look out on. I will say, like covering the Littlestown Delone game, that was the one game that was like, I you know you, we kind of try to follow the games, and I'm like, Gettysburg's up by how much right now? Not that I I thought that would be. When I picked Susky, I was like, I could easily see Gettysburg winning, but 41-3 was, was really big for a team that was 1-9 last year. Both these teams look like they're improved. I don't know who's going to win, who will take Division Two, but they both look like they're on good paths. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Eastern, Sorry, has, Eastern has struggled with extra points this season. If this is a close game, that that could be a big difference. It, it hasn't 
it hasn't really mattered yet this season. The fact that Eastern, you know, can't seem to kick an extra point and doesn't really seem to be able to run or pass the ball in for a two point conversion either. But if this is a close game, those conversions might end up being big. Yeah, it'll be something to watch for, obviously, as this game gets closer and obviously during that that game certainly two teams again that I don't think we really expect it to be um well in fairness to in fairness to Eastern I don't want to say we didn't expect we just didn't know what they were at that uh, early in the season Gettysburg I think was a team where a lot of us especially coming off such a a down year last year they were not a team that and also they lost so many players they were not a team that we were expecting to be uh in this conversation at this point in the year I think honestly a couple weeks ago if you said okay going into week six which you know division two matchup do you think is going to be a big one we'd be like I don't know because we really didn't know which which teams were going to be looking good probably would have said suburban susky yeah that's true i think those are those are two teams i think we at least figured might be in the conversation and suburban uh, is still, still good yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah i mean we're talking about all these games every division has a 2-0 and team playing a 2-0 and team in division but there's also in each of these divisions there's a 2-0 and team that is not playing right. a 2-0 and team which would be dallas town in division one suburban in two and bermudian in three right right uh one more on on the docket that's interesting. Your Catholic uh, and Littlestown. That's going to be an interesting matchup. Obviously, kind of the teams that were close to each other in the power rankings can kind of clear it up on the football field, like Zach alluded to earlier in the show. So that one should be a good good one to watch. Your Catholic, obviously, a big running team with a with a quarterback can, that can throw when he needs to. And Littlestown, obviously, has just been firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I'll be covering this one on Friday. I'm kind of excited. I keep covering games that are long and they go late into the night <laughs> these two teams run the ball a lot i think it should be over quickly so you by the know, way, i don't know who's gonna win but i should at least have a little more time to write which i'm excited about i was gonna say by the way uh going late into night a football game going late into the night is like a sports writer on a sports writer who's on deadlines worst nightmare oh yeah absolutely and even you know even some of these running clock games take yeah. forever you know you have penalties and stuff where some clock operators choose not to run the <laughs> clock it drives me nuts but that's besides the point um this game you know obviously we know what your catholic can do on offense we've had a taste of what littlestown can do but can littlestown do it against a quality offense that's what we're going to find out this week and i think you know if they get into one of these grind out games again like they did with eastern and they did with delone littlestown seems comfortable in these games your catholic hasn't had to play that kind of game too much they've been in a lot of more like blowout games except for that week one against suburban that that you were at christian um but you know littlestown certainly comfortable in that situation it's right. just a matter of can they hold that your catholic offense down and keep it that close yeah, what i like about littlestown is that while they have been running a ball out this year with west story and drew matthews they can throw uh, tanner noble's been doing a nice job at quarterback uh tyler barthel their top receiver is probably one of the better actually definitely one of the better receivers in division three this year even like in a you know a kind of rainy really muddy game against alone at the end of the game they had two big like 15 yard pass plays to him on the last drive including a 14 yard or 14 yarder right down to the two yard line which was the big play of the game right. so they can hit a big pass play which some of those d3 teams can't the question for them is they have not faced uh dan yokemic i think is are we saying it right yokemic, yokemic? right i believe it's it's yokemic or yokemic we've been trying to figure that yeah, out however you year. say his name the it's quarterback yokemic yeah yokemic. Yokemic. i've been saying yokemic incorrectly for at least a year 
But <laughs> your Catholic quarterback, Dan Yochemic, your Catholic quarterback is a very good playmaker, and so is Jakar Kennard, their running back. I don't think Littlestown has right. faced athletes like that. The reason why I like this game is there's so many rivalries in Division Three, like a lot of those smaller schools out in the Hanover Adams area, and this matchup really isn't typically one of them. Like Littlestown and your Catholic don't have a ton of history together. They mm-hmm. haven't always been good at the same time. So it's kind of cool to see these two teams good at the same time kind of vying for a Division Three title, or at least in the mix, along with a team like Bermudian, because right. that doesn't really happen. Happen. Yeah, we'll see how the turnout is at York Catholic. I know Littlestown has a really good fan base. We'll see if Littlestown can actually pack more fans into that stadium than York Catholic does. Because I think York Catholic typically doesn't have a huge fan base. Littlestown seems to have one of the better, more loyal fan bases in the entire league. So I'll be interested to see the uh, the turnout there as well. Absolutely, something to keep an eye on as well. One thing I want to get to really quickly, and I teased it at the end of the uh, the segment, was that Dallas uh, William Penn nearly defeated Dallas Town, lost by three points. Such a huge moral victory for a William Penn team that has gone through such a such a lot this this last season, you know, the last six weeks of the year. And it was really amazing to see not only the fact that they were so close or they took a Dallas team basically to the brink and nearly beat them, but the response from the other coaches in that division. I, I think a lot of coaches starting to see that William Penn maybe is just a couple players away from being a program that, that can compete with the Dallas Towns and the Red Lions and the, and the Central Yorks and, and Northeasterns in that division. And I, I think a lot of coaches, you know, even Dallas Towns coach uh, at the end of the game was saying that they're, they're a team that should be taken seriously, basically. Yeah, I mean, we've heard that from a few coaches this year. But for the most part, it kind of sounded like talk. You know, Jesse Shea saying it after winning 49-7 to doesn't have quite the same. Right. The, you know the same ring to it but yeah i mean the coaches have been saying it like they know they look at that team they see a lot of talent they see a team that just needs a little more discipline and to learn the game a little better and that could win some games yeah. and it seems like things started clicking and it's really impressive too christian and i were at the game against red lion six days before that dallas town game where william penn you know just got beaten in every facet of the game especially in the second quarter uh were hanging their heads after the game coach stoner was saying to us that he was hoping he'd still have 60 kids on the roster after that game. Right, you know, right. He, was, he seemed like he was fearing that kids were going to quit and that things were going to kind of unravel in that locker room. Well, the exact opposite happens. You know, I don't know what he said to them or what the kids said to each other, but they ended up turning around, going on the road six days later and nearly beating a team that has barely lost any division games in the last three years. Certainly sets a very interesting matchup this Saturday against Spring Grove. Uh, Russ Stoner plays against his former team for the first time this season, so plenty of storylines to keep an eye on going into that game on Saturday. Moving on from football, because we obviously there's so many other fall sports going on aside from football during during the year. Want to look at soccer for a little bit, boys and girls soccer. Um, certainly Susquehannock boys and girls are, are two teams that have been rolling this year, basically Susquehannock, uh, both programs went to the, uh, had a lengthy run in the state tournament mm-hmm. last year, an impressive run. And this year they, things have kind of picked up, uh, where they left off, so to speak in Susquehannock boys, especially they're coming off. Uh, they had a win the previous week over Bigelville, which is a, right. which a really strong, uh, strong program in division three and then Bigelville as well. Also 
having a, a good season so far. Yeah, and I, I saw that Biglerville Sus game. And Biglerville is a D3 team against a D2. Right. But this has like sort of been looked at as Biglerville's year. They've been good the past couple of years, and they have a lot of seniors. And right. Susky, you know, won 4 nothing, beat them really good. And in a division where they have to share a division with Gettysburg, mm-hmm. a team that's really, Probably, really yeah. good. But Gettysburg lost some guys, and Susky's definitely looking at it as this is kind of their year to you know maybe win a York Adams tournament and go. I think they were in like the, the state semis last year. They went pretty far. Yeah, yeah. So to definitely go on a, a similar run to that this year, and uh, if they keep playing the way they are, then they've got the, the talent to do it. And Big Liver, too, like I said, having a great season. I don't think they've lost a divisional game yet no, this they're, season. No, they're really good. And uh, Connor Greist, who's uh, a senior, he's a really good player, so he's been leading that team. They'll, they'll you know, I think, still have a nice run in districts. They're a good program. Certainly something to keep on. By the way, something else to keep an eye on. Thursday night at Spring Grove, it's well, Melanoma Awareness Night. The team is, is putting on a little special effort. Um, for the event, and I, I think both of you, Matt wrote a story on it. Zach, I believe, is going out to it. Yeah, um, and I was there last year as okay. well. It was a, it was a nice event last year. Uh, Tori Swiger is the name of the player. She was on the team last year. She's a melanoma survivor. She's had it a couple times. She's, I mean, she's healthy now. Like I think, you know, when they say it's in honor of her, it, don't, it sounds like she's not doing well, but she's actually she is doing well. But it's cool that they're keeping it going. Her sister Catherine's still on the team. Yeah, I will be out there. I enjoyed going out there last year too. Um, I thought it was cool they had they had shirts last year. Right. Their slogan was "Protect Your Own," um, meaning protect your own skin from you know from the sun, but also protect you know protect your own family and right. all that. I you know I like a little double meaning like they had there. I thought it was clever. Um, they were giving out wristbands last year too, so. It should be a nice event, and the game actually means something this year too. Last year they played against New Oxford in what was kind of a meaningless game for both teams. This year, though, Spring Grove and Red Lion are vying for that third spot in Division One. Mm-hmm. Why is third place important? Well, the top three from each division, or sorry, the top three from Divisions One and Two, go to the York Adams tournament. Only the top two from Division Three. But so you know, this game also has some meaning. So it'll be. You know, it'll be nice as they keep that tradition going that they right. started last year, but it'll also be good to see a good competitive soccer game as well. And Spring Grove's still fighting, I think, to make the district playoffs, really, in a decent position, too. So that means I something. I think Red Lion too, is, yeah. too. So, yeah, in that aspect, too, important game for both teams. Plenty to keep an eye on. We'll step aside. When we come back, West York Volleyball has been a team that's been flying under the radar for the most part all season. We'll talk about them. Field Husky, we talked about Susquehannock earlier in the program. They've been off. They've been having a great season. And Dallas Town, obviously, well, they're Dallas Town. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Welcome back to Game Day with Game Time PA here on Sports Radio 1350 WOYK. Christian Arnold, Matt Albone, Zach Miller here with you. And we left off. We're gonna rotate to volleyball and, and talk about volleyball for for a few minutes because West York is a team, and I think we kind of talked about it last week a little bit. West York's a team that's been a, a very good program this season um, with a lot of talented players, and they're they're a good program, but they don't have the flash that maybe a Red Line or um, you know uh, Dallas Town or some of the other programs in the league have because they have such a spread out team and and you've really seen that the last couple of games uh they played Gettysburg on Tuesday and it really was such spread out scoring that there was no one crucial player it's it the fact that the Bulldogs play such a team oriented game is what makes them so challenging I think and and I think their record shows it I believe they have eight or nine wins uh in their division they're undefeated in division play and they have one loss on the yeah, season and are overall. sitting either first or second in the district rankings too 
which is really good for a team that was third place in that division last year, flew under the radar. I don't think anyone was really talking about them coming into the season, but, you know, there the Bulldogs are right at the top of Division Two, And, uh, you know, who – are there any players that really stood out, you know, it, it was, as they have such that team effort? It, I think it is such that team effort, and I think that's something that when you listen to some of their players talk about, you know, they um, – I was talking with Ab- Abby James the other day after the game, and she said, you know, this is it's a team game. You can't have individuals on this team. And I think that's something they've really taken to heart where they understand that everyone has a role to play, whether, um, whether they're a starter, whether they're coming in off the bench. Everybody has a role to play, and they play that role, and they do it so well that um, a lot of their wins seem almost easy, even the win against Gettysburg. And Gettysburg did manage to rally in the third game a little bit, but even so... It really seemed like there was never any any pressure, or the, there's a sense of calmness on that West York Bulldogs team, and it's kind of translate to this translate to the success that they've had the last uh, or this season overall. Yeah, who else in that in that uh, Division Two race do you think can really contend, or you think this is their year to win that division? Oh, I mean, I, I, Susky and York Suburban have kind of been the class of that division for. The past couple of years, I, I think it's their their year to win, and, and maybe Susky gives them a fight. I know Susky has had a, a, another team that we don't really talk about as much, and they, and they deserve uh, a lot of credit as well. Susky's a team that plays plays very well, and Suburban Suburban I think has kind of had a season where maybe they haven't performed as well as as maybe some people thought. I you know they only have I think they were last I checked the standings they were three and two in the division, and and they were kind of. Kind of battling through some things, and they they come they come they came off a loss uh, against Chambersburg earlier in the week where they put up some fight, but even still, um, they have not played. Uh, they're seven and two now. Suburban is so going to correct myself there, but even so, uh, West York is still a team that I think has so much talent on the roster that it will be tough for for anyone whether they're uh, in their division, out of the division, like Delone Catholic, who's obviously been such a such a strong program as well. Um, yeah, this sounds like you're calling an upset. West York winning <laughs> the the county this year and beating Delone is that, is that uh, what I'm hearing? I don't I don't know about that. That's such a and I think it's kind of like if they play Dallastown Redline, those are going to be tight games where maybe some maybe not necessarily as easy as a. a I don't want to say it's easy to beat Suburban or Susky, but you know it won't be. It'll definitely be a, a much different challenge than when you play in your own division, especially against some of those powerhouses like Delone or Redline or Dallastown. But speaking of Delone. They have such a, a big, important game uh, this week against York Catholic. The two have faced each other this season. They played uh, back on September 17th when DeLone dispatched York Catholic in three sets. But this is uh, an important matchup for, for both teams, as I'm sure York Catholic would love to get a little bit of uh, revenge there in hand. Uh, DeLone, their first loss uh, in divisional play this year. Yeah, and I'll be at that game tomorrow night, 7 at DeLone. Um, you know, we said the Squirets are just a team that have lost a lot of players from last year, and they keep keep reloading. Still really good again this year, and the division title means something to them, and that's kind of the last step in wrapping up the title is probably an, another one over York Catholic, so big game for both those teams. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure the, the division title means a lot to York Catholic, too, who has, uh, has kind of had to fight for it because Delone obviously playing in the same division as Delone it's it's tough to to knock them off especially the last four years or right. so and I think the, your Catholic they win the district title last year in volleyball they did. They so you know, it's kind of like a new challenge to you know try to dethrone Delone and of course they lost in three sets last time so a big challenge but not, you know, we're sure we are sure they'll be fired up for that right game. and and your Catholic too in their sense that that's a team that you know I'm sure some people at the beginning of the year could have made the argument that you know it was single A they won the district title mm-hmm. in last year and Maybe it's not the best competition, so you know, being a good team in single A is not necessarily the same as being a good team in double A. So 
Uh, certainly, if they can go out and beat a, beat a Delone and then have a, a good county tournament and a good district tournament, I, I think that's something that they, they want to and, and maybe quiet some of the people at the beginning of the year that might have discounted what they accomplished in the past. I'm also not sure how many years it's been since York Catholic last made the York Adams tournament. Right. So winning, you know, beating Delone would obviously go a long way towards yep. doing that. Yep. Only the top two teams in Division Three made that tournament. If if York Catholic loses, they'll drop into a tie for that second spot with Littlestown, who I know they've played at least once and it went five sets. I think they may have another match on the schedule. I would have to check. Right. But, you know, if York Catholic wants to actually get to that York Adams tournament, it would definitely behoove them to to win and not have to worry about breaking a tie with Littlestown. Absolutely. So plenty plenty on the line in that game on both sides. So it, it will be a good one to watch. Uh, that is on Thursday. So obviously keep an eye on it for that. Field hockey, Susquehannock has locked up a share of the Division II title earlier this week when they defeated West York. They've had such a, a good season as well after a, a very, I guess you could say, rocky start, mm-hmm. losing the first four games of the season. And then Brooke Morris and the Susquehannock Warriors really just turned it on. And they have been firing on all cylinders uh, you know, for, for the rest of the season. Yeah, now they're a game away now from clinching that Division II title and clinching a spot in the York Adams tournament, it's been a, it's been a few years since they went to the playoffs in the in the York Adams. You know that county tournament because right. Gettysburg had always been the best team in Division Two since joining the Mid Pen for the last couple of years. Uh, now Gettysburg kind of out of the way in Division Three. Susky took full advantage and has just about locked up that division. The only you know the only way they wouldn't win the division is if they were to lose out and Southwestern were were to win out. Right, so that's I think pretty that's, unlikely. A, that's a pretty tall task for, for any team, one way or the other. And it's interesting to see how the county tournament is starting to shape yes. up because, you know, last year when I think it was, and Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, but the top two teams from Division One and then two and three because there are only three divisions. Is that how it, it worked out? Yeah, top two from Division One and then the top one from yeah. the other two divisions. And now, of course, where it's, there's four divisions, top team from each, you have Gettysburg and Bermudian, mm-hmm. two of the best teams last year. Again, two of the best teams in the league in the same division. They're playing Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Gettysburg's, I think, a half game up on Bermudian, but only one of those teams is going to make it. Uh, New Oxford, really good again this year, but yep. they just lost to Dallas Town for the second time. Got blown out 5-1 to one to Dallas Town a week ago. So they, it's going to be you know, really, really hard for them to make the tournament. Looks like Dallas Town has that locked up. And then yeah. Littlestown, a team having a nice year out in Division 4, uh, looks like they're going to uh, go to the York Adams tournament, which is big for that program. Yeah, yeah. it would be. And Division 3, um, Bermudian has not beaten Gettysburg since Gettysburg joined the York Adams League. They've played... They played once in 2014 and 15, playing twice this year. But that would be a big win for Bermudians to get it done. But it's not just about the county tournament. You know, in any of these sports, obviously, we have districts. Right. If you look at the district standings in field hockey, a lot of teams in really, really good shape to make the playoffs. Not just make it, but be able to have home games early on and, and win some games. And I know Bermudian, last I checked, was ranked number two in District 3 class single A. You know the Eagles want to get back to states after having – such good teams for the last decade but yeah. not having made state since 2007 uh, this is their opportunity now with some of those tough teams like twin valley and Mannheim central who they lost to last year in the district playoffs those teams are out of the way now still up in two-way so you know even if bermudian doesn't make that county tournament still a lot to achieve in the district playoffs and that goes for all these teams too you know susquehanna gettysburg littlestown is in the mix in uh class single a also dallastown new oxford even redline right you know, all these teams still even if they don't make the county tournament, you know, that's a couple games you miss out on, but you still have districts. And I think that was one thing that we, we talked so much about what the impact on the changes to the classifications for football. And you kind of 
got lost with what, what happens with some of the other sports. Field hockey, for instance, uh, it's opened up the, the door for some of these other teams who may not necessarily have had that chance to make runs in districts and, and get to states. Um, you know, gives them a better opportunity to do yeah, that. Yeah, it was really season. good for these smaller schools yeah. in field hockey, the way it shook out. Obviously, the ramifications are a little different in every sport. And, you know, depending on what school you are, you like it or you don't like it. But certainly the field hockey teams in the York Adams, particularly I would say in Adams County, mm-hmm. definitely like the new look. Yeah, it's definitely benefited them. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, and too, the changes in the in the league, uh, in the York Adams League, have certainly uh, shifted some of the focus in their teams that have definitely uh, benefited from that, Susquehannock being one of them. But it's gotten to the point of the show where we switch back to football and we're going to defend our picks. Uh, Matt, I'm going to let you go first. And, and again, since you're back uh, after a week hiatus, I'll let you go first here. Matt, what's, what's the game Appreciate you're defending? Um, well, so I'm going to go. This is kind of a game that's been forgotten about. Yeah. Fairfield, Hanover. Because okay. Fairfield's a team. Extra was getting some hype a week ago. Like they're 4-0, first time in school history. No one – well, I mean, maybe like a little bit of an easier record this year. And I know when single A, people were talking about them making district title. But to see them 4-0 was pretty shocking. Just lose to Bermudian Springs, a really good team. Now you got Hanover, a team that was really good last year. And really haven't seen Fairfield play against too much divisional opponents. Now they beat Biglerville, but Biglerville's having a down year. I'm still going to go with Fairfield in this game. Okay. Just because Hanover's lost a couple in a row. And I, it's easy to look at a team like Fairfield and say, well, they only beat lesser competition. Now they're facing a team with a similar size to them. How are they going to do against that? But they had that win against Biglerville. I think they'll find a way to get to 5-1 and one and get that kind of pretty important fifth win being in single A. Yeah, I would say if Fairfield wins that game, you can pretty much book it that no matter what happens from there on out, the Green Knights most likely headed to the district championship game in class single A. Whether or not they, they get to be close to home or not kind of depends on how Halifax will do. But right. I mean, you look at the other two teams, there's only four teams in single A that are fielding teams this year. You look at the other two teams, you know, one has no wins and Steel High has one win. So, you know, I, I think if you get to secure that 500 mark, you pretty much are going to the district championship uh, the way those new classifications have kind of <laughs> yep. broke down. Um, as for my pick, my game I'm going to defend, I don't pick a lot of upsets, so to speak, but I think Northeastern goes home after losing these two games and does knock off Dallastown and hand Dallastown its first loss of the season. I think Northeastern, you know, I think if a new Johnson plays, that's definitely a big part of it. But regardless, this team, which which kind of seems to, you got a lot of kids kind of blaming each other and things unraveling a little bit for this team after the last couple of weeks. But I think the way last year's game went against Dallastown and how close Northeastern was to winning that game before blowing it, I think when you put that in the equation, these kids are going to bond back together, come home, be able to stick it out for two halves and eke out a win in that game. That's my prediction. But I think it's going to be a really good game. Christian, I know you're going to be there. I think <laughs> yeah. it, sh- it should be a good one for sure. Oh, there, I'm sure there'll be plenty of energy in that game with uh, with North- Northeastern trying to show what they really are and, and prove to everyone else that they are the, the team to beat this season. As for my, my pick, I'm going to defend. I picked Eastern to beat Gettysburg. And I think the, across the board, Gettysburg was the uh, – was the favorite to to win this game, and I think my reasoning is just simply I think both this is two teams that have finally figured out that that things are starting to click for both sides, and I think this comes down to Eastern. I just think has the more more talent on the team and a little bit more experience. Gettysburg obviously went through so much turnover, and, and obviously Gettysburg has won a couple good games. Susquehannock obviously 
um, it's such a huge win for them as well, uh, and a team that that has a little bit more experience than you might think than than Gettysburg. But at the same time, I think Eastern is also starting to click, and I think they're also starting to buy into what what Jeff Messick has been preaching all season long, and it's starting to show on the field. So I'm gonna go with Eastern uh, on experience. I think they're starting to buy into what the coach is selling, and I think partially just just a gut feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's my reasoning, and it's not the best reasoning, but uh, you know. Sometimes you get that feeling in your gut that a team's going to win. Two teams in D two off the yeah. decent divisional start, so that that's definitely. Gonna and make and this is a game you really could flip a coin. Oh, and definitely. Like, one team's going to win over the other. So, it, it, plenty of good games, like we mentioned. One again, a, t- a game that uh, is two undefeated teams in their division going head to head. So, plenty to keep an eye at. Once again, if you haven't already subscribed to the show on iTunes, just search Game Day with Game Time PA Radio, and it will come up. Subscribe. And you can rate and review the show. We want to hear all your feedback. We want to hear what you guys are enjoying. We want to hear what you guys would like to hear us talk about more and what we can improve on. So certainly send your feedback. We love hearing from our listeners uh, every week. So definitely subscribe to the show and tune in every week. Uh, That about does it for the show today. We'll be back next week with more YAIAA action to talk about. Matt and, and Zach, thanks so much for coming in and joining us once again for the show. You guys can follow them on Twitter. Matt is at bad2, numerical2, at the bad2, the alibone. And Zach is at by, at by Zach Miller. And you can follow me as well at C underscore Arnold 01. So make sure you're following us for all of our updates from football and the rest of the YA action this week. So until next week, thanks so much for joining us.